You're listening to Tahlequah United Methodist Church's Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy listening to the podcast and connect with us online at TahlequahUMC.org. May you be blessed by the hearing and reading of Scripture and the meditation on the Word. Have a good day. Thank you, ladies, and thank you, Bob, for putting that together and playing. Will you pray with me? Everlasting God, you are here. You were here before any of us got here, waiting for us to be inspired, to be transformed, to be centered in your love and grace. And Lord, I pray that today and the rest of our days, You remind us of the love that you have for us. God be with us. And all of God's people say, Amen. Our purpose is love. And if you remember last week, one of the slides that I shared with you is this great line from David Field. God has a mission in the world, and love is at the heart of that mission. Love is at the heart of that mission. And that everything we do should be centered and surrounded by God's love because, really, we are God's first love. And our scripture lesson for today reminds us of that. It encourages us of that. Our our scripture for today comes from 1 John 4.19. We love because God first loved us. I want us to read that together. We love because God first loved us. I want to let you sit with that for just a second. We love because God first loved us. This is the scripture of faith for the people of faith. Thanks be to God. So if we are God's first love, then how do we model this in our daily lives? How are we willing to share the good news with everyone that we come in contact with? Whether that's standing in the line at Walmart and, and, the, and the checker's going very slow, not at the pace you would like to. Or you're at your favorite restaurant and um, the server brings you the wrong order. How do we show love? matters. This world needs to see it because, let's be real and honest, there are others who are speaking for us as Christians that show what love really isn't about. There are those who are are spewing hate and call themselves followers of Jesus. But I'm reminded that we are to love first. And sometimes that stretches us, sometimes that pulls us, because sometimes that takes us to places we didn't want to go. And love people that we didn't want to love, like our enemies or those who look different than us. So if we are God's first love, we should embody this and model this. David Field, in his book, Our Purpose is Love, he has this great line that says, To love God is to place God and God's concerns at the center of our lives, thus reshaping our lives. I'm going to say that again so you can hear it. To love God is to 
place God and God's concerns at the center of our lives, thus reshaping our lives. Notice in this quote from David, it's God and God's concerns at the center of our lives. The center of our lives, not us at the center of our lives, but God at the center of our lives. And when we put God at the center of our lives, that we love because God first loved us becomes a little bit easier. It becomes pretty practical, but it's also very difficult because it calls us to love those who are different than us. It calls us to to reshape and refocus our lives, not upon us and upon what we want, but what God is calling us to do. Far too often we run away from that because it's scary or, or it makes us do things differently. I think about this last year and, and thinking about the ways that God is, has stretched and pulled us as a church, but yet we remained faithful because we kept God at the center of what we did. There were those that started small groups because they wanted to start a small group. There were those that, that continued in mission and were willing to serve. There were those that were still willing to make sure that people got fed on Thursday nights. We still had music every week. Sometimes we didn't know how we were going to get that music because we didn't know how things were going to work, but yet it still worked because we kept God at the center of what we did. And when we allow God to be at the center of our lives, it is rough because we're taking ourselves out of the equation and we're putting God at the very center of what we do. That's also a litmus test of asking ourselves, before we complain, before we get upset, or before we get angry, is this somewhere where God is calling me to grow? Is this somewhere where God is calling me to be stretched? Is this somewhere for me to say, God, I used to do it always this way, but you're calling me to do it this way? When we start looking at that and we start challenging ourselves in those ways, it pushes us, it grows us. And we're no longer shaped by that Sunday school felt faith that we once held on to, we allow God to push us and to grow us. Our faith journey should be about love and about growth. And, and if we just get comfortable, that's not putting God at the center. Because if you read the Bible, God pushes us to go out and pushes us to know God more. And we can't just do that from the comfort of our own spaces. We have to experience new things, try new things. And yes, it's going to fail, and yes, it's going to fall apart. But yet, if we keep God at the center, God will be right there to pick us back up and move us forward and move us closer to God. Because who in the Bible did it right? Look at the disciples. Man, those disciples, we can learn a lot from them. We can learn a lot from them because they were willing to go out amongst any kind of persecution, amongst people telling them that what they believe is wrong, amongst people that they love and care for, like sitting right there with them saying, man, you're wrong about this Messiah. Jesus wasn't it. It's somebody else. But they were willing to press on out of love because they kept God at the center of what they did. Did they fail? Yes, many times. Even Paul failed. And yet when Paul remembered to put God at the center of what he was doing, it shaped and transformed him. And that's what our call is, is to allow God to be our first love. Do you remember what that was like when you were chasing your love? You were willing to do whatever it took. Drive two hours even though you have class the next morning. Sit with the person, be with them. Take them on those expensive dinners, even though you only had $5 to your name. You were willing to do whatever it took for that first love. 
what God requires of us on a daily basis. And sometimes that's difficult. Sometimes that's a journey. Sometimes it takes us to grow. But how are some ways we can do this? You know, one of the nice things about having this live stream and we record this is that if you miss a slide, you can actually always go back and look at it. Um, I learned that feature last week when I was going back and looking at my slides, making sure that I hit all my slides. But David Field, he lined up these two, 10 thoughts, and I'm going to blow through these. So yes, you're going to have to go back and look at these probably as you're watching this video or as you go home. But these 10 thoughts of how we can participate in the love that God has for us, how we can participate in the love that God has for us. The first is gratitude for God's love for us. Do you have gratitude for the love that God has for you? That unconditional love that God has for you? That even when you fall short and you fail, God says, still looks at you and smiles and says, I love you. I care for you. I'm here for you. When we have that gratitude for God's love, it shapes us and changes us. And we see it not only in us, but outside of us as we share that with others. Living in constant fellowship with God through regular prayer, meditation, and worship. Are you attending to those ordinances of God, as Wesley would say? Are you doing those things? Are you fellowshipping? Are, are, are you being in regular prayer? Not only just your prayers, but prayers for others, in meditation, and in worship. Are you growing in your knowledge of God? And this is one that's important to me, growing in your knowledge of God, because, you know, we can read the Bible front and back for the rest of our lives, but that's not going to help us grow. What's going to help us grow in our knowledge of God is sitting down with other, other believers, even people who don't think like us, and listening to how they interpret Scripture. Sometimes I find it amazing when I sit with people who read the same Scripture as I do, completely different than I read it. I gain some knowledge, or I see things I didn't see before. I learn something new. And that's what we're called to do. We're, we're called to grow in this knowledge of God. And then that next line, the next four, five, and six are... Trust in God's presence and care and concern for us, even in difficult and complex situations. Trust in God's presence and care and concern for us. I don't know about you, but in this past year, I really had to lean into God's trust and care for me. Whether it's getting ready to go for surgery and as they stuck my legs in that compressing thing. I, the last thing I remember before they stuck that gas on me was, dear Lord, don't let me die like this. Because I was in an embarrassing, compromising position. And I didn't want to die like that. And I trust in God, and I trust those who were caring for me. Sharing our difficulties and struggles and anger and complaints with God. Do you ever get angry at God? That's okay. Like I, I tell people when, when they've had a loss and they're angry, that's okay to be angry at God. God needs to hear that. I remember sitting with a young man one time who had lost his grandfather, whom, I mean, he was at his grandfather's side every day he could be. And as Jim continued to die for cancer, there was his grandson standing beside him by his bed. And after Jim passed, the grandson came into my office one day, and he looked at me and he said, Pastor, I am mad at God. Is that okay? And I said, yeah, it's perfectly fine. You have every right to be angry at God because of the loss, because of the struggle. 
God wants to hear that. Those stresses that we have, God wants to hear that. Because I'd be honest with you, when you let go of that stress and you just say, God, I'm angry and I'm giving it to you, take it. And we let it go, you feel a weight come off your shoulders. Maybe you have a loved one that's going through a difficult time and you're angry about that. You say, God, take this. And you can be angry at that and let it go and allow God to do God's thing. Giving God primary loyalty in all areas of your life. Now, this is one I think we all have to work on. This is one that we all need to stretch ourselves on. This is one that, like, if you ask me which is one we need to focus on, this is the one. Because when we give God the primary loyalty in our, on all areas of our life, in all areas of our life, it shapes, changes us, and moves us. And sometimes it pushes us. Sometimes it's a little bit difficult because we'd much rather it be our way. We'd much rather it make us feel good. We'd much rather it not push us or change us or shape us or grow us because, you know, we like where we're at. And that next chapter may be a little bit difficult, but that next chapter leads to another chapter, which leads to another chapter. Our stories are one continuous chapter written time and time again with new things, new thoughts, and new ways. And when we center ourselves, when we allow God to be our primary loyalty, it shows in everything we do. So as we keep going, the, the last few are seeking to know and do God's will. This is something that we all uh, uh, we can lean into a little more and in being open to where God may be leading us. I always say that you know it's God's will if it comes to you at least three or four times and it nags at you. And it, like, I like it at this nagging, like it just like pulls at you. This is the direction you need to go. And sometimes what we do, unwillingly, we do not go. We, we push ourselves like Moses in the sand, say, no, I'm not going. And the Lord says, yes, you are, Moses. Well, I can't do this. I, I don't have the ability to do this. God says, I will provide for you, Moses. And that's what God does for us. When we seek and do God's will, Obeying God's commandments, this is easy. Jesus teaches us this over and over again. To love God and to love our neighbor as ourself. Living all of our lives to the glory of God. Living all of our lives to the glory of God. And then costly self-denial in relation to all that contradicts our relationship with God. I call that the butts that get in our way. You know those things. I don't want to do this, but can't or but i've got this or but i've got that or but i'm too old or but i'm too young or but i'm too whatever those butts that get in our way are those things those that that really contradict that relationship that god calls us to have with god to give our whole selves even if we don't like it it's kind of like peas now I, i grew up not liking peas i did everything i could imagine to hide the peas on my plate, hide them under the plate, around the plate, put them on my other sister's plate, put them on their plate. You know what I learned really quickly? When you go to put it on this plate, this sister puts it on that plate, so you have more peas than you started with. But when we allow ourselves to take what we get, and we lean into those peas, I still don't like peas to this day, but I'll eat them when I have to, because I know they're good for me. Just like when we know God is calling us to something where we don't want to go, when we let ourselves go and allow God to lead us, it takes us to new places. Because God loves us. 
God loves us because we are God's first love. We are God's first love. And God's willing to do whatever it takes to be next with you. So if you see these 10 and you want to challenge yourself or you want to uh, rest on yourself, how do I do this? How do I go about this? Do it one elephant at bite of the elephant at a time. And if you focus on one of those things at one at a time, you'll notice that some of those things were similar. But really, it's calling us to have God at the center of our lives. David Field reflected that a Christian is one whose character is shaped by love from the inside out. You hear me say a lot that say, may God work on you and work through you. Because I want you to internalize that as that God works through you too. No matter who you are, no matter where you are on life's journey or where you are in your faith, no matter how much faith you have or how little faith you have, God is still using you to convey God's love. I know that's sometimes hard to hear because sometimes we don't feel like we're worthy enough. But you know what? You are because you're God's first love. And God wants to use you and shape you and mold you to do God's work here in the world. God needs you. Yes, you. Each and every one of us. Those of us that are here in person, those that are watching online, God needs each and every one of us have God at the center of our lives and to allow God to dictate everything we do and be open to that and see where that takes us. The saints don't become the saints because they just sit back and wait for God to happen. Saints become the saints when they let go and they allow God to be in control of their lives. You know who those saints are. I came across this story this week as I was reading, um, I've been reading this really good book called Tattoos on the Heart, written by Father Gregory Boyle. I I love Father Gregory's story. Father Gregory is literally in the heart of L.A., in Compton, in like one of the worst spots you could ever be. I had the luxury of being able to go and see his ministry there in the heart of L.A., and let me tell you, it is probably one of the roughest places I've ever seen, but yet Father Gregory has God at the center of what he does, and it shows. Homeboy Industries, if you ever get a chance, look it up. I mean, he's doing amazing work. But he wrote this really great book called Tattoos on the Heart. And he tells a story uh, of a 15-year-old gang member named Rigo. Rigo was getting ready for a special worship service. Um, uh, He was in prison for incarcerated youth, and, and Father Gregory asked him a question. He said, you know, what did your father be coming to worship today? Young man said, no, he, he's a heroin addict, and he's never really been in my life, and he always beats me. Then something snapped in, in, in Rigo, and he recalled this image from his childhood. And I imagine Father Gregory just sitting there listening to Rigo share his story. He says, I think I was in fourth grade. I came home and sat in the middle of the day. When my dad got home, he said, why did they send you home? Because my dad always beat me. I said, if I tell you, you promise you won't hit me. He just said, I'm your father. Of course, I'm not going to hit you. So I told him, and Rigo began to cry. And in that moment, he started welling and rocking back and forth. And, and Father Gregory put his arm around him, and, and he slowly began to calm down. 
And when Rigo could finally get up to speaking again, he spoke quietly, still in shock. He beat me. He beat me with a pipe. A pipe. After Rigo composed himself again, Gregory asked him about his mom. And Rigo pointed to a small woman over in the corner, and he said, she's over there. There's no one like her. And Rigo paused for a moment, and he said, I've been locked up here a year and a half, and she comes to see me every Sunday. And you know how many buses she takes to see me every Sunday? And by this time, Rigo was was sobbing fiercely at the same time and catching his breath. And he gasped through the sobs and he said, Seven buses. She takes seven buses to come and see me. Father Gregory, reflecting on the story, he said, God, as revealed in person of Jesus, loves us like Rigo's mother loved her son, with commitment, steadfastness, and sacrifice. We have a God who takes seven buses just to arrive at us. And all throughout Jesus' ministry, his birth on Christmas morning, his meals with sinners, his healing the sick, his death on the cross for our sins showed, showed us the heart of God, the God who will take a long journey of love to find us. Father Gregory reflected. God loves us so much that he's willing to take seven buses to sit with us in the midst of our pain and suffering. God loves us so much that he's not willing to give up on you ever. And we are called to remember that we are loved by a God who will meet us where we are on life's journey, no matter how much faith or how little faith we have. And share love, because God first loved us. You are loved. God loves you, and there ain't nothing you can do about it. Let us pray. God, you are with us in every step and every breath that we take. We know that you love us and you care for us, and yet sometimes we forget about that. Sometimes we don't do it like we should. But we know that you love us. Help us see that love. Help us share that love with the world, because this world needs your love. Lord, help us keep you at the center of everything we do. And in those times that we fall short, remind us that you love us and you care for us, and all you want from us is us, to have you at the center because you love us. Holy Spirit, come and be with each and every one of us, those that are here and those that are listening online. May you inspire them to share your love and be willing to do whatever it takes to share your love. God, be with us all. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to Tahlequah United Methodist Church's sermon podcast. We hope you have a good week, and we ask that you connect with us online at tahlequahumc.org. Thank you, and have a good day.